so the, the, the inspiration for this talk actually came from uh, last semester when I gave a talk or a day of reflection to men, the day that I did not get as many people as Ms. Robin did for her talk for women, and I also forgot to take a collection. But, uh, and, and one of the, the items that was brought up um, that, that struck me a lot was we were talking about like having a relationship with, with Mary and how uh, Our Lady can teach us things. And then it was mentioned that, that so many men don't have good relationships with their earthly mothers, um, particularly as they get older. They're not very close. You know, they don't, they're not close to their mother's hearts. Not that they hate their moms, but there's not that same intimacy, that closeness that we imagine Jesus would have had with Mary, sort of from the devotional perspective. So, so as a result, I think a lot of the times men struggle with the devotion to Mary because they have that struggle with their earthly mother. And so, well, maybe how do we be intimate with Mary? How, how to come to know her maternal heart? And, and I thought a lot about it. And in fact, this is what this talk is going to sort of be about. You know, in general, men, I think, we're not just picking on the men here, but men in general, I think, just the way we are, and maybe there's some cultural conditioning to struggle with a sort of a more effective spirituality, one that relies on the heart more, one that is more, I'd say, emotionally centered. Um, we tend to be much more head than heart. Uh, again, not that men are smarter than women at all, but men tend to intellectualize the faith. Um, it's just the way we look at things, we analyze it. Um, and again, I think a lot of times faith in general can be difficult for men for different reasons, and we'll sort of look at that. Um, if you notice that Jesus had to call the apostles, he didn't have to call any of the women, the women just naturally followed. There's something that, that happens there. Um, and so both, of course, have men and women, male and female, have their own approaches to faith and their own strengths and their weaknesses. But I want to sort of begin with a quote from, from Cardinal Ratzinger. I really think Ratzinger, Benedict, um, if you know his life and his writings, most people will say, well, he's so intelligent, he is. But he also has the heart. He has a great balance uh, between the two. Um, and so this is a wonderful quote from him. It may just be the task of Marian piety to awaken the heart and purify it in faith. If the misery of contemporary man is his increasing disintegration into mere bios, biology, and rationality, Marian piety could work against this decomposition to help man rediscover unity in the center from the heart. And so, Mary, when we tend to separate human being, biological, or we intellectualize the faith, the scientific approach. Here we can rediscover unity to, to a faith from the heart, that effective dimension of faith. And so how can um, Mary help us with this? Um, again, granted, y'all are all here, and so I'm assuming, and I know everyone here, and I know everyone here is a man of faith, men of faith. Um, and so often I hear from women, you know, my husband doesn't want to come to Mass, he doesn't want to leave, what do I do? And fellas, y'all are all here, so I'm not chewing anybody out. Um, but Mary can help, I think, even the men who are already trying to be able to, to have a more integrated faith. And the first point that, that I want to launch off on this is something that I've noticed 
and then talking to others, men as a whole tend to be more willing to trust or to entrust their own hearts and emotions to the feminine heart than to the male heart. So they may have a bunch of guys and they'll say, bro, I'm having a problem. And, and the guys can kind of, yeah, man, I know that's rough. But there's something there that there's a, a dimension to femininity that, that men are going to be much more open to in general uh, of opening themselves. I don't know, maybe I think men are reluctant to share their hearts with their guys. I, maybe again, this is culturally conditioned, I don't know, but there's just a different dimension. And so husbands ideally ought to be willing to open their hearts and their feelings uh, to the, the deepest thoughts they have to their wives. We talked about how it's often difficult to do it with their mothers. And to a certain extent, as you get older, you want to be relying on your wife, not so much your mother. That can get kind of very complicated if it's, it's not happening that way. Uh, but still, husbands need to be willing to trust their wives to, to show that deeper part. And I often see men not willing to do it with anybody and just keep it all into themselves. But the wife is supposed to be that, that safe place. Um, but not just their wives. I mean, I think there's something about a woman, but there's still specifically something about that religious woman or the, 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 the image of the virgin, the pure heart. And I see this, and this is the evidence of this, it's not just women's hearts, the way men will open themselves to religious sisters. Now, I, I've seen this, and I've also heard it from religious sisters. Um, Sister Miriam and I are very, very good friends, and she tells me, I mean, she'll be at the airport, uh, and some man will just see the habit and come randomly open his heart to her about whatever. Now, granted, anyone will. Um, you know, also, a lot of priests will go to Sister and say, Sister, I'm struggling with this. Looking for prayers, uh, you know, still respecting boundaries, but looking for some sort of empathy or compassion. Uh, and I think... Partially, men don't actually want to go to other men with that because maybe of their shame or insecurity. Uh, maybe the other men won't be able to listen or look at them in their weakness. And I think a lot of the times in general, when they transfer it to priests, priests just tend to be intimidating. Um, and so in my experience, I talked about it in the mission. Man, you know, I was in this museum for one of our students first, she received her habit. And she's walking around the lab, a little 19 year old young woman, and I'm there. Three people walked up to her. Sister, sister, can I tell you something? Sister, it's so good to see you have it. They were men. One of them had a theological question. She's like, I'm 19 years old. I just started wearing this one for 24 hours. Ask the priest. <laughs> ask the priest. No, I'm going to ask him. I'm going to ask you. So there's just like a, a safety there. Women, women's religious sisters, where people detect, or at least supposedly detect, holiness. It's something that draws people in, particularly draws men in. That is the reason I really wonder, you know, were people afraid to go to Jesus sometimes? There's Jesus and the apostles. Yes, they went to the apostles to come to Jesus. But if Mary was hanging around, how many people went to Mary first? <laughs> and Mary's like, no, 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 just bring this to Jesus. Or they brought... Mary would bring them to Jesus. We could see this potentially at Cana, which we're going to look at a little bit later. Um, 
And why? I mean, maybe it's that, that, that feminine heart, the maternal heart, that's pure and open and more compassionate. Um, and that's why I think we do need a Marian witness in the world. We really do. This is the, and I'm not just saying that, that, that married women cannot be Marian witnesses. They absolutely can. But just as we need the priest to be that witness of Christ, we need young women to commit themselves to, to, to consecration, whether it be religious life or consecrated virginity, to be that Marian presence. People are just more receptive and more open. And therefore, just like I think people would come to Mary, <coughs> Mary can then bring them to Jesus and the priest and the confessional uh, to be able to find mercy and reconciliation. Because that, that, that feminine heart, the, the Marian heart, is a place of compassion, mercy, and understanding. So the, 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 the passage, though, that I want to sort of base this on, trying to anchor each of these things in a, in a passage from Scripture, is the Mary and Joseph and the, the losing and then subsequent finding of Jesus in the temple. Um, and that's, even though we're going to see there are a lot more passages we can look at, it's Luke chapter 2, verses 41 to 47. Uh, and, and a retreat that I gave a year or two ago thought about Joseph. And once, jo first of all, you see the freedom that they gave Jesus. Granted, we believe they would have been traveling a big caravan, all these families together, going to Jerusalem. And, you know, Jesus was 12 years old, so he could have gone hang out with other people. Mary and, they were not helicopter parents. Let's put it that way. Um, let him go, and all of a sudden they realize he's not there. Imagine how Joseph felt. He's given the one task. He knows it's not Mary's fault, because Mary is the Blessed Virgin Mary. So, whose fault is it going to be? It's going to be his fault. I mean, what he would have thought, I lost the Son of God. I was given one task. One task only, and I screwed it up. The possibility that Joseph really beating himself up for it. So, some, some of them, we know they were listening to a podcast and it said the only, Joseph is silent, the only word we know Joseph said was Jesus. Because whenever, remember Zechariah had to say the name of the son, the father had to pronounce the name of the son. It's a pretty good guess though, I added, that we also know that he said, I'm sorry, it's my fault, and honey, I apologize. <laughs> Pretty sure that he said those things too. Every day. Every single day. <laughs> but he said, put in your, I always put myself in Joseph's shoes. I screwed this up. How, how, what, is, what, is, what is Mary going to think? What is God the Father going to think? I'm definitely going to get struck dead. Definitely going to get struck dead. But instead, imagine the mercy and compassion. Our Lady said, don't worry about it. She was anxious, they were both anxious. It's all right, it's not your fault. And, and, and the, the, the place that she created. That Joseph knew after 12 years, 13 years of being with her, that he could go to her and she's not gonna chew him out, humiliate him, shame him. But listen, it's going to be okay. He's, he's God, he's not gonna get lost, all right? And in offering Joseph, I think, some encouragement and some, some affirmation calming him down. And that's the, very, that's the 12 year mark. There are another you know, 18 years, we believe that Joseph would have been there right before traditional as Jesus would have left. <coughs> Living with Mary for 30 years, both for Jesus and for Joseph. 
Imagine the impact that would have on their hearts to be able to, to experience the joy, the love, the compassion, uh, being loved by her and allowing, uh, Mary allowing them to love her. What that would have been like, and as I talked about it earlier, I think Mary would have had a significant mark on them, leaving her spiritual DNA. Spiritual DNA and transforming Joseph's heart and transforming Jesus. And so I think when you look at Jesus and how he was able to love and be compassionate, yeah, he got it from his divine side, but everything else he got from Mary, both on his le legitimate genetic st structure and then also from the formation. I think a lot of what we see in Jesus, we can see in uh, pointing back to Mary. So you have Jesus, you have Joseph, but you have the other J, John. Because John would have come to, to take Mary into his home. And we're going to look at that in the gospel. Uh, or we're going to look at John a little bit later on um, in our reflections. It's one of the things that is, if you look at John's gospel, you know John's gospel is different. You have the three synoptics, then you have John's, which is so mystical. Why? I'll argue because it's the gospel of Mary that John was able to draw from Mary's memory, draw from her experience, how she perceived Jesus, and then was able to apply it um, there. And so she left her spiritual DNA. She, she formed them in a real way. And so what is this man who, is, who goes to Mary, who trusts Our Lady, who lets her form him look like? What does it look like? And I think the places to start are going to be Jesus, uh, Joseph, and John. And, and there is something different. I don't know. I was reflecting. There's something different, you know, with, with Jesus and the way he's often portrayed or we perceive him. John and also Joseph. Not that they're feminine, although sometimes Joseph can, can come across as very feminine. We want to say, you know, Jesus, John, and Joseph are men. And they are. They're very, very masculine. They're not effeminate, but they do have, probably more than anyone else, because of their close proximity to Mary, a, a very Marian dimension. Uh, they've been marked with that DNA. And so it's something that I will argue all men need to have if they learn to allow Mary to form them. Uh, and so what, what is that Marian impact on the male heart? Well, I have a few things. I'm sure there are a lot more, um, but a few things. First of all, is, is, is looking, I'm looking at Jesus' Joseph and, and John and seeing their lives and what, what I think we can derive from that. And the first is meek and humble of heart. Jesus learned that meekness and humble of heart from Mary. Mary, who was poor in spirit. She was the Anawim, the the one that was poor and completely dependent on the Lord. And so we can learn that too, fellas, through Mary's influence, because so often men do struggle with pride. We're, we're strong, and we need to be humbled. We talked about that at the beginning of the event, in that little phrase, a heart contrite and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. I always thought it was humble. No, it's humbled. And so... We're going to be humble. Mary is the spoonful of sugar that helps the medicine go down. Um, but still, 
to be able to let go of control, to, to let go of our pride, and to do the Father's will and, and not our own will. So Mary, because she is so meek and humble of heart, she forms the male's heart to, to be meek, uh, to be humble. Uh, number two, there is, uh, the male heart is a compassionate and merciful. Passionate and merciful, not a judge, not hypercritical, still recognizing right from wrong, but a merciful, compassionate heart. Mary, Mary knew what it was like to be gossiped about. Mary knew what it was like to be judged. So remember, Joseph saying he wanted to divorce her so not to cause her shame. But you've got to imagine people were talking. What is going on here? Why is she pregnant? What's, going, what's happening? So she knew what that was like. She knew what it was like to endure it, to be judged. And so Mary then was able to show, don't do this to other people. Now Jesus, of course, in his divine intellect knew this. Um, and, and then being able to, as a result, I mean, she spent 30 years showing mercy to Joseph. <laughs> because he's the only one, you know, you know that, that mercy and the compassion there. And Joseph receiving it changed him, and I think made his heart mercy and compassionate. You cannot give what you have not received. You simply can't give what you haven't received. And so I really think the way that Jesus and his humanity, his compassion to the sick and the suffering and the lost, those in the periphery came from Mary. Came from Mary. I particularly think of the, the woman caught in adultery. He never accuses her. He never says, you're terrible. He says, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. Still, holding her accountable, we need to avoid sin. But that, that mercy and compassion, not judging, not being hypercritical, this is a part of the, the Marian heart. Uh, number three, and this is probably the most important, is there's a tenderness, <coughs> a gentleness to the Marian male heart. And we can discern it in all three of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. I think if you look at it, what, what, when we think of those guys, yeah, we may think of them as strong, but there's all a tenderness to them. You know, Joseph is holding a little baby. John and, and his resting his heart on Jesus' chest, his closeness to Mary, often portrayed as the younger apostle. And then, of course, Jesus, his tenderness and compassion towards other people. Uh, and I think that's where you discern the difference right there. And particularly in St. Joseph is, is not just the, the father, not some tough guy, I'm going to teach Jesus to be tough. But there's a tenderness there. Pope Francis has written a lot about this, about tenderness in general. And in his letter, Patris Corday, that he wrote on December 8th, or published on December 8th for the year of St. Joseph, he talks about, there's a section, Joseph as the tender father. He says, the evil one makes us see and condemn our frailty, whereas the spirit brings it to light with tender love. Tenderness is the best way to touch the frailty within us. Pointing fingers and judging others are frequently signs of an inability to accept our own weaknesses, our own frailty. Only tender love will save us from the snares of the accuser. Jesus never accuses. Never does it. Instead, is he going to bring things up? All right, yeah. But he's going to do it in a tender and compassionate way. And that's what we know it. Whenever things are brought up in our own minds, whether others bring it up or we bring it up to ourselves, if we feel that voice of the accuser, it's not a Jesus. 
He'll bring it up, but he's going to do it in that tender, compassionate way. Of course, Joseph was tender, but he also had Jesus, so he never had to get mad at him. Um, so if you go look up, just type in tenderness, Pope Francis, there are going to be all kinds of quotes. Here's one that I, I thought was very beautiful. Quote, if God is infinite tenderness, then man too, created in his image, is capable of tenderness. Tenderness then, far from being reduced to sentimentalism, is the first step to overcome the withdrawal into oneself, we were talking about earlier, to leave behind the self-centeredness that disfigures human freedom. So again, there's going to be loving others, it's that tender love that draws us outside of ourselves. Thus we understand that the root of our freedom is never self-referential. I am free. I'm free to do what I want. And we feel called to pour into the world the love received from the Lord, to channel it into the church, into family and society, to interpret it in serving and giving ourselves. All this not out of duty, but out of love, out of love for him by whom we are tenderly loved. Jesus puts us first, loves us, transforms us, and so we can share that with others. And so I think it's an interesting insight, not turning in on ourselves, but going out of ourselves. John Paul II also talked about it too. Pastoros um, Abobis, and I will give you shepherds about formation of priests. And he talks about that the priest needs to be the, the bridegroom, but he also has to love the church with the, with a maternal tenderness, maternal tenderness. And so the tenderness we normally think of from women, men can have that too. And I think they're going to really get it from the spiritual sense from being in relationship and loved by Mary. Fourth is that Mary teaches us to be receptive in prayer. Men, probably more than women, are guilty of, of in prayer. I've got to do something. I, need, I, I have these certain prayers I need to pray, or we're going to get caught up in our minds and meditate, which is very, very good. But that's not necessarily really praying. Or that's not a Marian prayer, which is going to be a more silent, receptive prayer, whether it be reading the word and then allowing it to germinate and grow instead of us doing everything to force it to grow. Like a kid, you know, you planted your seed when you were a kid and you sit there and watched it every five minutes to see if it was going to grow. You let it grow, not needing to achieve anything, not needing to perform, allowing the word, allowing Christ in the sacrament to do the work. Ultimately, letting oneself be loved by the Father. Prayer is letting yourself be loved by the Father and learning that type of prayer See, I see guys at the chapel. They have such a hard time sitting still because they're going to be doing something. No, shh, chill, chill. So Mary would have taught that to, to, to Jesus and Joseph. Jesus praying to his father. How could he have prayed all night if he didn't know, learn how to be quiet and receptive? And then finally, and this is one which I guess we really need to talk about or we don't think about, uh, is she taught him respect for women. Um... A society that probably didn't fully respect women, at least not in the way that we understand it today. We see it in all three of them. Joseph's compassion and caring for Mary, and protecting her. Jesus, of course, caring for his mother, and also caring for other women. And then John and his care for Mary. And when we see it, so often we talk about the church and Christians, you know, hate women. Well, that's not true. Go look at Jesus' attitude towards women. It was revolutionary. Even the scripture mentions that, well, why are you talking to this woman? Um, and I think that 
Mary engendered that respect, taught him to reverence and respect women. And of course, he's a good boy, he's obedient to his mom, he's all there to Cana, which we're going to see a little bit later on. So those are, the, I think, the qualities that, that, that the male heart would have, that if we are formed by Mary, as husbands, as, as fathers, as grooms, these are all qualities that men ought to have. We can still be the warrior, but it ought to be the tender warrior. If we're going to, particularly during this year of St. Joseph, emulate St. Joseph. So how, how, do you, how do you get to that? Well, again, it's, it's hard to say, do these things and boop, it'll happen. I mean, Mary is the one who has to form, but you have to just make yourself open and, and disposed to it. And the basic way is going to be just fostering a Marian devotion. And I think particularly the rosary. Randy's always got his little rosary book right there. That's for others, but that's for himself too. Um, the, the, the Marian devotion, uh, consecration, whatever it is. Because ultimately, she's going to mold you, whether you realize it or not. You just put yourself there. If you're not doing that, if you're not spending time with her in prayer, if you're not meditating or reading about her, then it's not going to happen. So that's basically it. You've got to, hey, if you want to get a suntan, you've got to go to the beach. You've got to put yourself in the sun. You can't stay inside. Number two, and, and, and we, we have, I, I, I have, I know several men, but one man in particular will tell you in this room that it works. you got to befriend and know some religious sisters, particularly if you have a daughter who's religious. So we have Jay here. Jay, tell me how knowing all the sisters is, is maybe I should ask Robin this question. You know, having a daughter who is a religious sister and then having all these other nuns now who are like your daughters, that changes you, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's a um, brings a level of joy that you just never would have been open to, really. And hopefully a draw a level of sweetness too and kindness and obedience. And you can't tell them no, no matter what. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, I mean you can't. And, and it's a joy that like there's nothing like it's a joy of giving. It's it's yeah. But it, but the sisters because you know, I will they're two the two most important words a priest can learn is yes, sister. <laughs> people, I, 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 I joke, people think that men run the church. No, they don't. No, they don't run the church at all. Go to the front office and you'll definitely know that men don't run the church. But, but even then, I don't know any priest who will not say yes to whatever a sister wants. As ridiculous as the demands might be. Um, but, but being around religious sisters, having them pray for you, because they are that, 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 that image of Mary in the world. Um, and, and having them pray for you, you're probably going to suffer a lot because that's how it works. But at least, you know, maybe you'll get to heaven. And then fine, finally, it's, it's again, it's not just nuns who can do this. You can't bring a sister into your house. Wives. Wives need to work on being the image of Mary in love. Not hypercritical, not nagging, not covering over, um, but, but again, not just letting men do whatever the heck they want, but to be able to, to have that space where the, the man can trust his heart, or he knows he's going to be loved and accepted. That's going to be the most important where see that marrying love and compassion. So just some questions for reflection. And, and 
Again, men, if you, you, you don't know the answers to these, I'm sure your wives can tell you. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I mean, so this is a challenge for the men, and maybe work together, and maybe this is a good chance for the men to open themselves up to their wives to talk about this. Where do you find yourself if you're going to put head versus heart in spirituality? Where, where do you find yourself? Is there a balance? get stuck in your head more? Is there, is there an openness to the heart? Um, again, I, I think, too, is those five Marian traits. Examine yourself according to those. Or let your wife help you examine yourself according to those. <laughs> you know, where, where am I in those? But here, wives, third, how are you helping or hindering your husband's growth? Fellas, you can help your wives with that one if you want. You know, nice and, and kindly, but you know, how are we working together to, to experience the Marian love? So take that. We're going to have personal prayer uh, until like, 10.30, so you will oh, about an hour or 45 minutes, and then we'll come back here for the next session. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, beginning is now, and it shall be, world without end. Amen. 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 Amen.